First uh, Peter four and twelve. You can turn there. You can watch on the screen with us tonight. One verse of scripture. First Peter four and twelve. I'm very partial to this scripture because. Not because I think it's greater than any other, but because the night that I was baptized, repented and baptized in his name, and come out of the water feeling so good, felt so wonderful, so excited, happy, people just hugging you and patting you on the back and congratulating you, and felt so good. But one guy walked right up to me and shook my hand, and he didn't say congratulations, welcome to the body, and nothing. He said, think it not strange, the fiery trial that is to try you. <laughs> I was like, I guess I hadn't learned about this part yet. I, don't know. I was new. so. But anyway, I did go home and look this up, and I began to study, and, and I feel like that God led him to give me that so that I would still be here today. Because I believe that unless we catch the meaning of this scripture, we will not stand in hard times. So Peter says this, 1 Peter 4 and 12, Beloved, and don't skip that word. That's so important because it shows who he's talking to and it shows not just what he says about you. This is what God thinks about you, beloved. Remember the Lord looking down at Jesus when he came out of that water and said, This is my beloved. This is what God thinks about you. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. I want to preach a little while and I teach maybe more on this. Think it not. Let's pray for the lesson. Lord, we love you and thank you for the word, for the promises in it. And tonight we believe that you're going to open our minds and hearts and give us a revelation that's going to help us to be strong, help us to stand, help us to continue. And we're going to be ready to meet you when you come. So, Lord, anoint these lips of clay and fill my mouth with words for your people. Tonight in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Give the Lord a big hand clap and shout of praise before you're seated. God's good all the time. I think that probably Peter was, uh, as the Holy Ghost moved on him to write this letter, that I don't think there was any doubt of the one who should have delivered this letter and this phrase, this lesson, this scripture, because Peter was not... uh, Perfect in his uh, journeys with the Lord while he was here. He made mistakes probably more than what is recorded. The Lord probably said, I better not put no more in there. People will really think bad about him. But for th- I think there's more than three and a half years worth of stuff or, that went on that we maybe don't realize. But I do know some of the highlights of you know Peter... Uh, wanting to rebuke the Lord, not not good, uh, cutting people's ears off, not good, denying 
And I think that's probably the hardest one. That was the hardest one for him to get over was that he would make a bold statement of his desire and that he, his resolve that he would stand even unto death to then do exactly what Jesus said he would do and deny him three times. And the fact that it's recorded that he went out and wept bitterly, uh, that his heart was smote at his failure to keep his word to God. And so I'm sure that there were a lot of things on this great man of God's mind. Peter was a man. And though he had the keys to the kingdom, and he was anointed and full of the Holy Ghost and preached the message, he Acts 2.38, I guarantee you, is, is quoted more by the apostolic church than any other scripture in the book. And Peter is the one who mouthed that, who voiced that as the Holy Ghost moved on him. He gave that instruction. And so with all the great things that he did, Peter still had times by himself. Peter still had times where he had to try to shut his mind off and go to sleep. He had to uh, go through things and wonder, why is this happening to me? Peter was just a man, and as a man, he has a brain. And if he has a brain, he has that mind. And there used to be a, a saying for some kind of organization that said that a mind is a terrible thing to waste. But sometimes the mind is just a terrible thing. That's, that's the truth. It's the, yeah, it's the truth. Thinking can get us, uh, you know, sometimes we, we always harp on not, people not thinking. That gets people in trouble. Well, they just don't think. That's why it got them in trouble. Sometimes and oftentimes it is the thinking that gets us into trouble. Thinking is so powerful that the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And when it says in his heart, it doesn't mean this organ is pumping blood through your body. It's the intellect, the, the knowledge, the, the know-how, even the mind. If you look it up in the scripture, the translation of it, it doesn't mean this organ in your chest. It's that what makes you up. And so that you can think so powerfully that you will actually become what you're thinking. We use the phrase all the time, if you put your mind to it, you can do anything. Because we like, if you think about it hard enough or if you think about it. So we, we know the power of a mind. It, it can be so, and you can think so much that you can deceive yourself. If a man thinketh himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. You can think something so wrong that you can convince yourself that it's right. And the scripture says you have deceived yourself. And so, uh, in this scripture, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial. You know, trial, that word doesn't seem to fit with what we feel when we think about living for God. Especially at first. Like I said, when I came out of the water, I thought I was going to heaven that night. And then somebody came and dropped this heavy word on me about this trial that is going to try me. It's going to see what I'm made of. It's going to see what I know. 
going to see if I can stand. It's going to try me. The Bible says when God tries us, we come forth as gold. But what's going to happen when that trial tries you? When we, the things we felt at the beginning, the, the love of God, the, the cleanness after being baptized in his name, the power of the Holy Ghost, and, and the peace, joy, things like that, just this new life, being born again, you start thinking about heaven and streets of gold, hearing Jesus say, well done. I'm born again. I, you know, I put my past behind me. It's just so much positive energy at first that there's so many promises, so much hope that uh, the new convert is headed straight for a revelation. And that revelation is summed up in one word, trial. Because we're all going to have a trial of our faith. Hebrews 10 and 32, the writer said this, But call to remember the former days in which after you were illuminated. And so after that, the revelation had come to you about God. And after you had come to the knowledge that you had a Savior and even obeyed the truth, that you endured a great fight of afflictions. We learn suddenly that, that there is an enemy, that old devil, that old serpent, Satan, a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We learn that our flesh doesn't want to give up so easily. As Paul stated, there is no good thing that dwells in it. And then that we are at constant war. Our flesh is with the spirit that has adopted us. And the Lord said this, and it goes for all of us, that we would be hated for his namesake. That was a shocker to me in church. I didn't think anybody that had the Holy Ghost was anything but perfect. I soon learned different. That uh, it doesn't stop you from being human. And I just could not believe that uh, people who were baptized and filled with his spirit could do some of the things I saw done. You learn. You'll also learn as you come into this new life that everybody doesn't share your enthusiasm. Not your BFF. Not your ride or die. Or whatever you call them today. Not even the people that brought you into this world oftentimes don't share your enthusiasm about Jesus. They just don't get it. But Peter writes this scripture, but he made mention at the beginning of this letter that helps us, it should help us with a little bit of understanding. We'll get to some more of it, but First Peter, in the very first of the letter, in verses 3 through 9, he said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein you greatly rejoice. And we do in all those things. Though, now for a season, if need be, you, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious, there's that word again. Trial of your faith. 
being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise, honor, glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom, having not seen you love, in whom, though you... Though now you see him not, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable, full of glory. Two things happening in your trial. You keep loving, you keep believing in him. So you can rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your soul. So Peter starts this letter and he begins to write, and through it, through these pages, he writes to us about being holy because God is holy. Being redeemed, not by corruptible things, but by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. He writes about being born again of the word of God. He calls us lively stones. He says we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, holy nation, peculiar people. We've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light, and now we are the people of God. He starts talking to husbands and wives on their behavior. He even gets around to baptism because anybody that preaches a little while is going to start talking about baptism. They have to. It's part of it. And then he said, even in verse 11, he said, when we speak, speak as the oracle of God, ministering so that God gets all the glory through Jesus Christ. And then after all this about who we are, what we do, how we act. It's like he says, I need to throw some advice in here. And he goes back to, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. Now, the word strange is in this verse twice, and they do not mean the same thing. The first word uh, where it says strange, the word is, Zenidzo, Zenidzo, and it means to entertain, lodge, or think it. The second word strange is xenos, which means foreign or alien. What Peter is saying to the church, to the saints, to the beloved, he said, do not entertain thoughts. That what you are going to is because you are foreign or alien to God. Don't entertain thoughts that will cause you to doubt who you are to the king. Nah. Woo. Come on, somebody. If we, I'll say this again, if we are going to make it through, then we better grasp what this verse of Scripture is telling the church. And that's why I said tonight, think it not. You don't need to be thinking those kind of things. Don't entertain the thoughts. You know what it means to lodge something? It means to put it up. If you would lodge a guest, you would not only put them up, you would feed it. You would feed that guest and you would entertain that guest. You need to quit thinking and entertaining thoughts. Thoughts of despair, thoughts of negativity, thoughts of falsehood that come creeping in. When trouble stops by. Stop thinking that this, is, this only happens to people that God doesn't love. Because God loves everybody. This only happens to people that he doesn't care for. God cares about everybody. This, only, this don't happen to people that's been born again where you've been living. This don't happen to people that's, that's faithful to church. Come on somebody. What I'm telling you is Peter's saying, look, I know how the mind works. Because even with the keys to the kingdom uh, given to me from him expressly, I denied him three times. 
And I don't know how many times Peter laid awake at night going, oh, if I could undo that. Or maybe right after that he thought, this doesn't happen to people that have the keys. But then maybe he reminded that the Lord told him, Peter, Satan hath desired to have you, that he could sift you as wheat. And who is he? He's the father of lies. He said, but I have prayed for you so that your faith won't fail. And so before you start thinking thoughts and entertaining thoughts and lodging thoughts that, that are saying, hey, I'm going through this because I'm an alien to God. You need to remember that this happens to all of us. Job 1 and 1 describes a man that we all know who, what he went through. But it says he was a man who was perfect. And he was upright. That he feared God. And that he eschewed evil. In verse 5 it says that he was so concerned about his children that he offered burnt offerings. And he said this Job did continually. Job was always serving God. But let me tell you the mind can be your worst enemy. You know the scripture says that the heart is deceitful above all things. That doesn't mean this, that means your intellect, your knowledge. It can even refer to your mind. And it says that it is so desperately wicked and who can know it. And so people say, ah, I, just, I know what I think. Uh, you, you might know what you're thinking, but you don't know what you think. The mind can be our worst enemy. And the scripture says that we can even believe a lie and be damned. Because we think it's true. Many people have lost out because of what they thought. They dwelt on it, they twisted it, and they turned it into something that it wasn't. Well, so-and-so didn't speak to me, so I thought. Well, I heard them say this, so I just thought. Well, I saw them there, and I just thought. We can see things and think things and turn them into what we want them to be. We can entertain and lodge things in our mind that are not true. And the sad thing is, is often those people will never try to find out the real answer. They just assume that it's so. And so not only do they hurt themselves, but they can, you can hurt other people. Well, I thought it was true, so I told somebody. And now you've caused a whole other problem. So Peter is telling us, hey, get this. Don't entertain the thoughts that you are going through something that only godless people who are foreign or alien go through. Just because you're in the middle of a trial doesn't mean that you're lost with God. Just because you're going through a trial doesn't mean everybody hates you. Just because you're going through something doesn't mean that you and God are not still you and God. When Peter starts out, remember I said, get it, beloved. He's telling the church, get your mind right about what you are going through. We always say, well, you know, be, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we think that's just make sure you're thinking thoughts about how not to sin. Well, I'll tell you what, whenever you're thinking wrong thoughts and expressing those thoughts, it's lies, and that's sin. Sometimes that 
being transformed by the renewing of your mind means you need to think about all things differently. If you were the kind of person before that always thought because somebody didn't speak to you that, that they was mad at you, you need to change your way of thinking. You, you, you need to make sure that your mind is right because what will happen is that you think, well, they don't like me and you know, what? probably nobody else likes me. And you know who's telling you that, feeding that fire? That old devil's just whispering, yeah, that's right, they don't. You just need to leave. Why don't you just leave that church? Why don't you walk away from truth? If Jesus really loved you, you wouldn't be going through this. And you are entertaining that and lodging that in your mind. Don't entertain thoughts of hatred and anger and bitterness. Don't lodge it because it will set up camp. It will put a room in your mind. And it will always be there. There's some people today, they can't break through to victory. Because things have lodged in their mind. Oh, they sit on the pew every week. Can't get free. Can't get liberty. Can't get victory. You know why? Because you have taken in a guest. You need to hang up the no vacancy sign on your mind. Say there's no room in the inn for you. And stop thinking things that cause you to sit like a statue and, and never pray and never talk and never fellowship. So all that's tough, Pastor, might be, but it's necessary because you're forfeiting your victory. You're forfeiting a reward. You're, you're missing out on the blessings of God because you got thoughts in your mind that are not even true. You never asked the individual if they were true, but you've built it up in your mind, and now you're living by it. And it'll make you feel like a foreigner and an alien to God. Sometimes people... Just have the personality and they say things real bluntly. They don't mean nothing by it at all. That's just who they are. Don't go home and sit around all evening thinking, I can't believe they said that to me. And then something will jump in there and say, well, they said it because they think you ugly. <laughs> they said it because they think you stink. They, they don't believe you even saved. And you just now, boy, and then you actually think they said that to you. You can't look at them. You can't shake their hand. You won't speak to them. And then want to call yourself saved and sanctified and full of the Holy Ghost. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> I'm telling you that the church will shoot itself. And stop itself and just freeze revival when saints don't have the right mind. The Bible says if there first be a willing mind. It is important what is going on in your thoughts. And if you can't stop thinking that you're no good, that you'll never make it as a man thinketh. And if you keep thinking, they don't like me, they don't want me, you know where you'll find yourself eventually? Out the door. And nobody's done anything but loved you, prayed for you, been concerned over you. In Job chapter 2, in verse 9 and 10, he's having a conversation with his wife after his second set of trials. Remember, this is that perfect man that feared God. Always sacrificing, doing things. His wife 
comes in and says, do you still retain your integrity? Curse God and die. She don't understand about Job and God's relationship. But he said unto her, you speak as one of the foolish women speaketh. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God? And shall we not receive evil in all this? Did not Job sin with his lips? Leave that scripture up for me. So she's saying, are you still trying to act like you mean something to God? Are you still holding on to your integrity? Are you still trusting this God after you see what he's done to you? Are you? And he said, he answered her by saying, you're talking like a foolish woman. Now listen, a lot of people, when they're quoting this, they quote it wrong because they'll say, they'll say, shall we receive good at the hand of God and shall we not receive evil at the hand of God? The Bible tells us that God does not tempt any man with evil. Right. He, he's saying... Listen, we are blessed by God, but that does not mean that trials won't come. If you, saved and sanctified and full of the Holy Ghost, stand out in the parking lot with the most godless sinner on this planet, and it starts raining, both of you are going to get wet. Because it rains on the just and on the unjust. And so Job is saying, there is no reason to think that my relationship with God or his view of me has changed. Just because I'm going through this. And see, when he's made that statement, if he'd have said, well, are we going to just get good from God and not evil from God? That's a sin. Because God's not going to bring uh, evil on a man who's... Fearing him and loving him and serving him. And the Bible says God doesn't tempt any man with evil. And so he lets us know in the things that Job said, he did not sin. He explained it to his wife. Listen, I'm holding on to God because God has been good. God has taken care of us. God has blessed us. And we've enjoyed all these things. And how many friends of ours have we seen go through the fire? How many people do we know that have had trouble in their life? And, and now we're going to just be upset because it came knocking on our door? Though he slay me. You know what slay is? That's murder. He said, if God, even if God were to kill me without cause, I still trust him. That's how much he loves God and trusts God and worships God. He said, if God were to slay me with no cause, I still trust him because he's God. The big part of getting through this is figuring out and remembering the facts. Because the facts will always clear things up. Number one, the presence of trouble is not the absence of God. Psalms 23 and 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. With me in the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. So, my mind's right about what's going on. Isaiah 43 and 2. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When you walk through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Hello, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
How many is in that fire? Four. And one of them's like the Son of God. Mm. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Matthew 28, 20, Jesus told us at the end, he said, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. When it feels like it's the end of your world, he's still there. Don't start thinking, God don't love me. Don't start thinking, well, the church don't love me. Don't lodge thoughts of, of, of bitterness and deceit and deceive yourself. Oh, they didn't speak to me. They must be mad. Why? You know how many times I have answered that question? Are you mad at me? And I look at them and say, should I be? Well, I just, no. Why, what have you done that I should be mad about? Well, nothing. Then why are you asking me if I'm mad at you? I'm mad now because you asked me because evidently you've been sitting around for two or three days thinking that your pastor that loves you and prays for you and preaches to you is mad at you. Oh, I seen you leaving church Sunday. You didn't say nothing to me. Oh, you mean when I was leaving Sunday after about five meetings, after preaching two messages? After shouting my brains out around the altar, trying to make sure everything's turned off. Come on. Sorry. But you have lodged it in your mind. See, I went home and I was fine. You went home and pastor's mad at me. Come on. I'm telling you. And you know, hey, you say, well, that's funny. You know how many people leave church over things like that? You can say something across this pulpit. You can see people poke that lip out, go home. Ain't back at the next service. Well, I figured, just thought what you said when you was preaching, that was directed at me. How many people's in that room? Hey, you want to take a. Tell you something, illuminate you with this, give you a revelation. When I'm preaching, it's for everybody in the room. Including the man standing behind the desk. So if it bothered you, maybe you ought to look at something instead of being mad at me. But you want to lodge thoughts of bitterness and hatred. And then you're going, uh, before you ever talk to me, you want to talk to somebody else and say, Hey, I'm thinking about leaving over there because that preacher, he, he just, he don't like me. And now somebody else thinks bad about me. And I hadn't said nothing. Think it not. Think it not. It doesn't change who we are to him when we're in a trial. It doesn't change the fact that he loves us when we're in a trial. He purchased us with his blood. He filled us with his spirit. He loved us with an everlasting love. And if he does correct us, he made sure to let us know that whom he loveth, he corrects. Because we're his children. Don't think it. Get those negative thoughts out of your mind. Quit lodging them, entertaining them, putting them there and letting them set up camp. Because they never shut up. Those voices will never stop. They'll always be talking, always be, every time you're trying to make a breakthrough, uh-uh, don't you stand up and raise your hands. You know, get those thoughts out of your mind. 
And when you get in that fiery trial, realize, hey, the fact is, number one, that we're all going to go through it. And there's always a purpose for what we're going through. Romans 8 and 28 says, And we know that all things work together for good. All things, trials, tests, trouble, tribulation. Everything that hurt your heart, hurt your feelings was all for. We like to think of all the good things that help us. There's a bunch of them. But guess what? Even God has equipped us in such a way that even the negative produces in us. It teaches us. It, it draws things out of us. It helps us to stand. How can we endure hardness if we never know anything about hardness? How can, how can we uh, not get weary in well-doing if we don't know how to, to hang in there when stuff, you know, everything we go through teaches us. How, how will we ever know that God's with us in the valley if we're never in the valley? How are we ever going to know he's with us in the fire if we never go in the fire? How are we going to ever know he can calm the storm if we never get in a storm? And so all things work together for good to them that love God. Now, let me ask you this. Has your trial stopped you from loving God? Because then you got some problems. Because all of a sudden, you just moved that promise out of your life. It says it works the good to them that love God. If you get mad at God because you're going through something, so I don't love you no more. It ain't going to benefit you at all what you're going through. It'll probably kill you. It'll destroy you. It'll cause you to stop walking with God. But when you know, I don't care, I still love you. Though you slay me, yet will I trust you. I came into this world with nothing. I'll leave with nothing. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord gives. The Lord takes away. And just keep on keeping on and serving God and worshiping God and living for God. And you know what? It's going to work out for your benefit. Maybe Joseph could have got mad and said, I don't understand because when I was just a kid and I was very vulnerable and naive, you gave me these dreams about greatness and here I am in a dungeon. But at the end of it, he said the things that were intended as evil, God meant it for good and it saved all these people alive. So you hold on. And don't you start lodging negative thoughts against God, against your church, against your friends, against your people. That's just good advice for life. Ain't even got to be tied to the church. Just stop jumping to the worst thought. Philippians 2 and uh, 13 says, for it is God that worketh in you. I don't think I gave you that, sis, but if you can pull it up. Philippians 2 and 13, he said, For it is God which worketh in you two things, to will and to do of his good pleasure. Now let me ask you this. You think it's his will for you to quit church? You think it's his will for you to quit preaching, quit teaching, quit ministering, quit living for him? You think that's his good pleasure? But he'd rather see you go through it. He'd rather see you stand. He'd rather see you victorious. And he said, God's the one working in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. So whatever I'm going through, the Bible says he has his way in the whirlwind and in the storm. If I'm in a storm, he's having his way. If I'm going through a mess, he's having his way. 
If I'm going through a trial, he is simply having his way in my life. The Bible says that I should commit the keeping of my soul unto him as unto a faithful creator. Too many people trying to come to God and hang on to their soul. Give it to him. Oh, no, I want to go to heaven, but I want to run my life while I'm here. Just make sure you pick me up when you come to get us. Oh, no, you got to commit the keeping of your soul. In other words, he's saying God's going to keep it. If you'll give it to him, you'll go through the trial. He'll keep you through the trial. He'll keep you through the test. He'll keep you through the wilderness, the good times, bad times, every time. God will keep you. And when God's people start trusting him, when they start believing that God's going to take me through, that God's going to make a way, that God's going to... Man, let me tell you something. People's going to get on fire, and it's going to be a revival like you've never seen. Because what is it that keeps us from it? It's all the things that we're thinking in our mind. It's the things we think that keep us out of church. It's the things we think that keep us from praying, that keep us from reading, that keep us from witnessing. It's the things we think. But when we get this mind under control, and when we commit this soul to God, that he's faithful, he's my creator, and he's going to take care of me, let me tell you, the world can't take the revival that's coming when God's people fully trust in him. Second Corinthians four. I believe that's where I'm at. Second Corinthians four. Well, fifteen through eighteen. For all things are for your sake, that the abundant grace. Through the thanksgiving of many were down to the glory of God, for which cause we faint not. And though our outward man perish, the inward man is renewed day by day. In other words, I don't let the things that are affecting this man affect the things or affect the man that's on the inside. This body is suffering. It's getting old. Hey, and you know, let me just say if something's just natural. Well, I'm sick, old devil's at it again. Got nothing to do with our eating habits or anything like that, I'm sure. You know, this body is going to wear out. Yeah, it may be a trial for you to see yourself in the mirror every week, but don't be lodging thoughts about the way you appear. He said, the outward man will perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Every day you can get better. Spiritually, you might be going through hell on earth and getting better spiritually, getting closer to God, praying more, fasting more, seeking God, hearing from God. Your ears are unstopped so you can hear what the spirit is saying to the church. All of a sudden you're in a place where you can hear what God is saying because he has removed a lot of the distraction. Then he says, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, it works for us. It works for me. Works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory while we look not at things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. The things that are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And so I'll keep my eyes on the things I can see. 
because I'll think about them. But I keep my mind on the things that I can't see so I can prosper by them, so I can grow by them. And, and I realize that, hey, I see this, but what I don't see, I do know that God is working for me. That's why Peter said, though you have not seen him, yet you love him and you believe in him. Even though you hadn't seen him. And then Romans 5, 3 through 5. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience. And patience, experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed. There's a process for gaining hope. And it starts with tribulation or trial. And if you can't shut your mind down, and if you can't stop lodging the wrong thoughts and entertaining the wrong thoughts just because you're in the middle of this trial, think it not strange. In other words, don't, uh, like it's some strange thing, like it, this is the only things that happen to people that don't know God. No, this happens to everybody. Saved, sane, or sinner. It happens to us all. So he says, to get there, uh, to get to this hope, the hope we have is an anchor to the soul. It starts out with a little tribulation. Tribulation, patience, experience, experience, hope. Hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. When that hope comes, the Holy Ghost is just poured out. The Bible says that, that when we are uh, troubled and tried and we suffer for him, that the spirit of glory and of God rests on, it rests on us. It's with us. It's there with us. We're not by ourselves. So think it not. Quit thinking negative, ugly, killing thoughts. And start thinking how much, hey, you know what? I'm going through it, but God loves me. God cares about me. So, you know, Peter, so Peter writes this. And you know, what I do, he told us in the next verse, 1 Peter 4 and 13. So after he talks about this trial, he says, but rejoice. Don't think it's, don't get the ugly thoughts in your mind. Don't think that you're a foreigner from God. But rejoice in as much as you are partakers of Christ's suffering. You're part of this. You're part of this life. You are part of this cross-bearing life. This is who we are. This is what we do. We live for God. He said, so rejoice Inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. What do I do when all this stuff happens? Rejoice. One place it says, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. If you're reproached for him, happy are ye. <laughs> oh, you see, that's not the way I'm thinking. Then you're thinking wrong. You need to change your thinking. You need to not be thinking strange. You need to quit lodging, putting up, keeping up these nasty, ugly, negative, lying thoughts that are telling you that God don't love you and neither does people and neither does your church. You need to get those things out of there. So it's in the mind. So this is what I need. Peter started off that chapter with this verse, 1 Peter 4 and 1. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, he said, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. In other words, you need to 
This is what you arm yourself with. This is how you, you, when you arm yourself, that's stuff you fight with. Stuff you defend yourself with. Stuff you protect yourself with. He said, arm yourself with this. With the same mind that Jesus had. Now listen, I never ever saw in the scripture where Jesus questioned who he was or if he was the beloved son. With everything he went through, the Bible says he was despised and rejected. Those that were closest to him caused him grief, denied him, betrayed him. People he did miracles for wanted to stone him. They crucified him, lied on him, all kind of things. And yet, in his mind, he still knew who he was. And in his mind, he still knew that I got to get to Calvary's Hill for this end was I born. He still knew that I've got to go to that cross. And he still knew that in three days I'm coming out of that ground. He said, destroy this temple. And in three days, do what you want to to this flesh. Because there's something going on beyond this flesh that you can't touch. Hey, world, do what you want to to this, this old body, this mind. But hey, there's something going on on the inside that you can't touch. He had his mind. He said, so, church, arm yourself with the same mind that Christ had. For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Sin separates us from God. But he said, when you're going through these sufferings and your mind is like his, you're going to draw closer to God. But if you break off, start thinking wrong, start doing wrong, you separate yourself from God. And now you become a foreigner and an alien because you have pulled away from him. The Bible says if we draw nigh unto him, he'll draw nigh unto us. Get closer to him, cleave to him, hang on to him. Paul said it like this to the Corinthian church. He said, we have weapons. Second Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Right off the bat, casting down imagination. Well, I, So we always try to make that something bigger sometimes than what it is, but it's exactly the same thing Peter was writing about. That we have weapons of our warfare that are mighty through God that will keep us from lodging terrible thoughts, untrue thoughts, helps us to get rid of bitterness, helps us get rid of anger, helps us get rid of wrath, helps us get rid of jealousy, helps us get rid of envy, lust, all these things. All the things you can think about in that mind that will affect you because as a man thinketh, so is he. So, uh, we have these weapons, and one of them is arming yourself with the mind that Christ had so you can cast down these imaginations, put them under your feet where they belong, and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought. So when that thought does pop in your head, mm-mm. I'm going to bring this thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. In other words, I'm going to, I'm going to obey him, and I'm going to obey like him. That when uh, my, he came into his own, they knew him not. He went to his own hometown. He couldn't even do many mighty miracles because they wouldn't believe in him. He saved others, but he can't save himself. If you are the Christ, come down off that tree. 
smacked him in the face and said, prophesy. Beat him, whipped him, spit on him, laughed at him, mocked him, humiliated him, nailed him, stabbed him, buried him. And he showed back up. How are you still here after all that? Got the right mind. How are you still going on for all these years? Got the right. Let me tell you something. Anybody that's going to stay in church a bunch of years, it's going to be because your mind was right. It ain't going to be because you just got up and made it somewhere every week. Because if your mind ain't right, you won't. Mm, well, hello. So listen, stand with me. I'm done. I'm sorry, honey, I didn't give you more warning. I got carried away. Boy, we cause ourselves a lot of grief. Because we won't communicate what we're thinking. All the husbands and wives, especially the wives, said amen. Because men ain't very good communicators oftentimes. What are you thinking? Nothing. Sometimes that's true. Sometimes it's not. But we don't want to worry anybody. So we, nothing, I'm fine. It's sincere concern to not worry our spouse. But they're going to worry anyway. Because they know you're lying. They can see it. They can tell it. You don't want them to start thinking. Then they just got to wonder. Well, if they don't talk to me now, I've got to. Some people dream up scenarios in their head and they convince themselves that it's true because they won't communicate. And sometimes you dream up things in your head against God because you won't communicate with Him. You need to be careful about the thoughts you think. Obviously, we don't want to think sinful thoughts, but... When somebody wants to help you, just let them help you. Don't go to, hey, they're judging me. No, you know what? They love you and they want to help you. When they ask, hey, are you all right? Not being nosy. They love you. They want to help you. We need to cut these thoughts off. We need to cast them down. We need to get rid of these imaginations. So remember, think it not strange. In other words, don't lodge these thoughts in your mind as if some strange or foreign thing that never happens to God's people has happened to you. I promise you, it ain't so. God loves you. God's got a purpose for you. Get your mind right. I want us to come and pray tonight. Because I know that this is a message for God's people. And examine ourselves. And if you get, we used to talk about laying things down at the altar. If you got some thoughts going on, come lay them down tonight. Come lay them down. And then, like the song said, leave it there, leave it there. Come lay these thoughts down at the altar and leave them here and go out of here renewed in your mind.
do Even in your trial I will see you through Be still and know 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 I am hope, I am peace, I am joy, I am rest I am your comfort and relief from your stress I am strength, I am faith, I am love, I am hope I am your freedom, this very hour I am, I am, I am, I am I am hope, I am peace, I am joy, I am rest I am your comfort and relief from your stress I am strength, I am faith, I am love, I am hope I am your freedom, this very hour I am, I am, I am, I am Oh, hallelujah Thank you, tonight hallelujah 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 thank you Lord you know 
Sunday quoted the scripture several times that if the Lord make you free, he that the Son is set free is free indeed. He'll free your mind. He'll free your mind. He'll get those thoughts out of there. Arm yourself. That's why we arm ourselves with that same mind. Because if you got that mind, that mind will be free. You won't be held prisoner. Because ain't nothing worse than be, somebody says, oh, I just want to be left alone with my thoughts. There ain't no worse place to be sometimes. You need to be alone with Jesus and some thoughts. But there ain't nothing worse when you're tormented in your mind. You've got thoughts going on that are making you feel bad. And you just feel alone. You feel captive. You feel like a weight's pushing on you. You just feel awful. But Jesus, that ain't the way he wants his church. And there's a lot of things he's given us. We could spend a long time on this talking about repentance and forgiveness and reconciliation. Things like that will help get rid of these thoughts. So love one another, be kind, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. We are brothers and sisters. Ain't no reason we may be different, have different personalities, all kinds of different things, but there's no reason that people who are filled with the Holy Ghost can't love each other and get along. You say, well, that's, that's like a utopia. You call it what you want to. I believe that, that God's people can get along. Praise God. I sure love you. I hope you know I do. And I preach to you like I do because I love you. And I want to see us go to heaven. And I want to see us to have revival while we're here. So God bless you. Have a great night. Sunday's coming. Lord, don't come get us. We're going to have a great time. Anybody getting baptized tomorrow night? Do you know yet? So maybe a couple getting baptized tomorrow night. Let's be praying for that from the college ministry. Really be praying for it tonight. God will move on those young ladies' hearts that they'll make that decision to come be baptized in his name because that's two more people to tell more people about baptism in Jesus' name. Praise God. We're having revival, church. Having revival, church. Hallelujah. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.